Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, lots of good stuff to talk about here. I mean, it's good stuff in the sense that it's it's good topics to talk about, but rough week for the Kraken. As uh, the win streak ended, new streak started in the opposite direction as the Kraken went 0 for 4 since we last recorded, RJ. And beyond just that, right, we've had injuries, illness, suspension, all sorts of stuff that we're going to have to talk about in this one, culminating in the big question everybody's been asking us, which is, should the Kraken call up Shane Wright? But of course, we got to start thanking Queen Anne Beer Hall, our wonderful sponsor of this podcast. RJ, the Moss Bay Hall location, I am hearing nothing but good things in post-game live chats, seeing stuff on Twitter, just talking with people. It's It sounds like it's going really well over there. Yeah, the vibes are good over at Moss Bay Hall in Kirkland. I mean, it's it's just as successful as uh, the original location for Queen Anne Beer Hall. Gives you another option if you're over on the east side. Great place to go. Enjoy some sports, you know, grab some beer and some good food. Yep, definitely, definitely. So excited about that. And of course, got to mention your Armchair GM stream, which is happening tomorrow over at patreon.com slash Emerald City Hockey. Really looking forward to that one. I'm sure maybe some of the topics we're going to talk about today might uh, pop up on that one. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it so much. I think of all the armchair GM streams that we've done, this might be the one that I've just thought about the most, whether it was a couple podcasts ago when we were you know, getting into some of those topics about the big ad or people making suggestions on the post-game lives for different things we could explore, lots of stuff to potentially cover. Any, everything from you know minor ads at the trade deadline to a very ambitious offer sheet in the offseason yes. to a star player. So I'm not going to spoil anything, but really looking forward to it join me tomorrow night 7 p.m and uh that's it patreon.com slash emerald city hockey by the way you can try it for free with a seven day free trial so no better time to sign up yep definitely definitely looking forward to that (sighs) not looking forward to the next couple conversations we have to have here though rj because we are going to start and and just try to get all the bad news out of the way unfortunately there is a lot this week with the kraken and we're going to start with potentially one of the most brutal ones for, for a lot of people. A lot of people have been asking about whether or not there was going to be a skills showcase this year for the Kraken. And this week, RJ, we learned that there won't be. Yeah, we were able to do some digging now that the Kraken are back at home and and kind of find some things out. And unfortunately, uh, the Kraken will not be hosting a super skills showcase this year. Personally, I'm really disappointed by that. I, it was one of my favorite events of the whole season each of the last two years. Uh, it was a fun time for fans and media alike. I think every and the players, you know, I think everybody had a really good time with the skills showcase. Uh, but the part that I think is most unfortunate is that event was one of the few events that uh, were really accessible was really accessible to a lot of fans. Right? It only cost ten dollars to get into the building, and for some fans that. I think it's a lot of people, right, that kind of might balk at those prices or just flat up can't afford the prices to get in for games. That was their chance to go see the Kraken players at Climate Pledge Arena. After the first one and the second one, too, I I talked to fans afterwards because I wanted to know what they thought of that event. It was kind of a unique event. And I'd say more than three quarters of the fans I talked to said that was their first chance to see the Kraken at Climate Pledge Arena because game tickets were just so expensive. Mm -hmm. But they could go to that. They could bring their whole family out. It was affordable and it was just a fun time. And I just think it's really sad that it won't be happening this year. It is It is really difficult to hear. I mean, the, the game price thing is 
it's an obstacle for a lot of people. It's it's really tough. I mean, look, the Kraken are when you when I look around at, at things, they are the most expensive building to get into. Like that's that's yeah. you know, it needs to be acknowledged and it is tough. I, I do feel for those people. I, I feel for all the fans too, just because it produced so many memorable moments for a lot of people as well, just because you get to see the personalities on display a little bit as well. That's always something that that's fun and everybody can enjoy. I'm also, you know, I was looking forward to this year, RJ, because Morgan geeky gone, Adam Larson had a chance at hardest shot. Yeah. There, there could be a, a, you know, moving of the crown there for, uh, uh, for the hardest shot there. I mean, that was one of the fun, most fun moments from last year, right? That Morgan geeky slap shot. That's the kind of thing that brings yeah. in new fans too. Especially, you know, you take kids to go to that and they see a player that can shoot over 100 miles per hour mm -hmm. and he's playing on the team every day. You know, it's it's just a shame we won't have that. And also, it would have been a cool opportunity because it was always like Team Drieger versus Team Grubauer. And, you know, given the situation again this year, you could have that. Yeah, yeah, you could. You could, you could have Team Joey, right? Like, yeah. I mean, Joey would have a team. That'd be popular. That would be, be a lot of fun. I, heck, this year, actually, you could have probably swung and had three teams all three goalies that would have been really interesting how many teams could say that um so yeah i'm 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 bummed that it's not happening um but hopefully you know the the news gets out there because i know we were we were getting asked about it a lot from a lot of different people and unfortunately the answer is that it's not happening this year there is hope for next year i brought it up last night on the post game rj i think they should move it to the beginning of the season like a coming out of training camp right before the season starts everybody's healthy everybody's fresh you don't have to worry about running into injury issues or the team's travel schedule or any of that kind of stuff later on in the year because it sounds like the travel schedule is is partly the reason why it's not happening this year um i think you do this maybe even during training camp i think you could do this yeah, I, I think you certainly could. And I think that's ultimately what the solution is going to be. Just given last year, I think, was kind of the wake-up call as far as the scheduling. I think the Kraken had just gotten back from a fairly long yeah. road trip. And I do remember the players were exhausted. They, you know, they were happy in the moment. They enjoyed the event. But they were so tired going into it that I feel like it, it maybe wasn't as fun as it could have been. So that's going to be the big challenge next year if they want to go ahead and do it. Yeah, definitely. All right, so from from that bit of brutal news to some other brutal news, and that's just what's the latest on all of the injuries and illnesses and everything that's going on with the Kraken because there's a lot this week to talk about. Yeah, the Kraken have been playing majorly shorthanded in these last four games, whether it's injuries, illness. I mean, there's a bug going through the team that still hasn't quite finished with everybody. Um, and, you know, no confirmation of, as to who or who isn't sick. Um, but, you know, you kind of make assumptions there. But as far as the players that we know that are out and have missed games, um, we'll start with Vince Dunn. Uh, he's you know arguably the most important of those players missing. And... Um, the team won't confirm anything, but uh, from what I've heard, just kind of being around everything, it seems like it is an injury rather than an illness. It probably hand wrist related because of that fight with Cole Sillinger. I mean, we all saw what happened there after the hit with Matty Beneers. And so I, I think that's probably what's keeping Dunn out of the lineup. No real timeline expected for his return, although I guess he's more shorter term than Matty Beneers, according to a, a conversation Mike Benton had with Ron Francis the other day. So Dunn will probably start gearing up again soon, trying to ramp things up. He was out on the ice early 
uh, before practice the other day for the Kraken, just getting some individual work in. He's yet to participate in a practice, which is what would, the next step would be. Um, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, we know he has the broken leg. We know what that injury is. And he has started skating again, albeit not very fast. He hasn't really ramped things up yet. No definite timeline on him, although I think they gave an initial timeline, what, the four to six weeks? Four to six weeks, yeah. um, so he's still working his way back from that. Um, a little bit of good news on the injury front. Uh, Philip Grubauer did return to practice a couple days ago before the game against the Leafs. And it looks like he's ramping things up. I mean, you want to be cautious. You want to be maybe a little bit skeptical here just because it looked like he was ramping things up before the Winter Classic. And then all of a sudden just stopped practicing after that. So he's going to want to be really careful. Honestly, I think there's no reason to rush him back before the All-Star break. I mean, you, you know, Joey can handle these games going going forward. So um, I wouldn't expect him back before the All-Star break, but it does seem like he's making good progress. And then finally, and this is the one that's most worrying, so we kind of saved it for last year, uh, Matty Beneers. So he is out a little bit longer term, according to Ron Francis in that same interview I mentioned previously. Uh, the team won't confirm what the injury is, but we all saw the hit that he took from Cole Sillinger. We also saw his head kind of go to the boards. And I think Dylan, certainly given the timeline, you have to be worried that it's a concussion. Yeah, I mean, that's if if the team's not going to tell us otherwise, I think that's the one kind of assumption that it seems the easiest to come to, right? Like that's that's the one that your mind certainly goes to when you see a play like that, something dangerous like that, when you see that head contact. And frankly, RJ, when we know his history from last season with one similar time of year as well, right? It's what kept him out of going to the all-star game after he was picked to be the Kraken representative for that. And so it's, um, it's scary just because concussions are always scary, whether it's happening to a professional athlete or anybody, it's a brain injury, right? That's the thing to remember. We, it kind of hi- that kind of hides behind the word concussion. And we hear that a lot in sports, but no, it means it's a brain injury. The brain suffered trauma and it's trying to heal itself. And that's a scary thing to, to think about and to talk about. And what's really also scary, RJ, is assuming that it is that this is his second one in two years. And that's something that, you know, hockey has a history of players who have run into serious career altering problems when it comes to sustaining multiples of this form of injury year after year. And you certainly don't want Maddie Beneers to be another name on that long list of, of what if players that we've had to see in this league. And, you know, again, not saying he's there yet, not saying totally have to worry about that, but just from being around hockey, as long as I have been, it's something that I do think about and RJ, I mean, do you think that Kraken fans should start worrying about that with Matty Beneers? Or do you think that's just me like getting way too ahead of the cart here? No, I think it's not wrong to worry about that. And Kraken fans in particular, too, they've seen this already in their first three years of existence. Jonas Donskoy, you know, he had to retire because of concussions. And it's no joke. It can be a serious issue if those concussions start to add up. And you'd hate to see something like that for Matty Beneers. It's tough. I guess it maybe it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to worry about it because there's not a whole lot that can really be done about it right yeah. you know he's going to continue to play hockey and and there's always that risk with it um but it is certainly something to monitor and, and you definitely want to proceed with caution here i mean that's the one thing that you can make it worse if you hurry back so um you know i, I wouldn't expect maddie Beneers back soon uh and you're going to want to be extra safe with it 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm sure the team will be as well, just given how important he is to the group long term. And then there's all sorts of other questions, too, given how long he'll be out, not just from a roster standpoint, RJ, but I keep forgetting he's in a contract year. I wonder how this is going to affect that, too, just because, look, all season long, we've been talking about him. He's played really well. His possession numbers are great. The on-ice stuff, if I'm just watching him, if I'm scouting him like I used to scout players, I really love what I'm seeing. But the counting stat totals haven't necessarily been there. The point and goal production hasn't really been there for him this year. Lots of conversations around that side of things. But boy, if he misses a bunch of time to injury, you also wonder if that starts factoring into the equation for both sides, too. Could could get interesting. I know this isn't your armchair GM stream. It's happening tomorrow. But I am I am starting to think more and more if you know, long-term deal or, or bridge deal, just given how the season has gone for him. You know what I mean? Right. And I think if he's going to miss time, that might make a bridge deal more likely. It, it's fine on the armchair GM street. we got a bunch of stuff to get into. Know, we, we have plenty of content, but um, I, I did think about that a little bit yesterday is, is does this make a bridge deal more likely for Maddie Beniers, just given how mixed the results have been this season, you know, from a scoring standpoint, if he's to miss time and then you're worried about, okay, two concussions piling up, you know, are you going to have to worry about a player that might have to retire at 30? You know, hope that doesn't happen, but maybe it's in the back of your mind as a GM might just make more sense for both sides to go bridge deal. Yeah. And for those who don't know a bridge deal, instead of being like, you know, the eight year extension, we were all expecting for Matty Benier's bridge deal is done with young players when team and player are maybe a little too far apart on, on money or term. And you'll just see a two to three year deal at kind of like, um, you know, a reasonable price for both sides. And it's more of like, it gives them more time to prove that they deserve that big giant long-term kind of contract. So that's what a bridge deal is. Um, and then finally, RJ, from one center who has missed the last couple games to another center who's missed one and has to miss one more, and that's Yanni Gord, who um, is right now currently serving a two-game suspension. That's right. Yanni Gord was suspended two games for his hit on uh, Matthias Ekholm in the Oilers game toward the end of that game. Uh, it was originally called boarding, which it certainly wasn't, so it was correctly changed to charging. Uh, and... It was definitely charging. He was given a major penalty for it. Uh, it was a high hit. He launched himself into Ekholm. He left his feet. He kind of jumped up into that hit. He kind of had to, given his height. Yanni's 5'9", Ekholm's 6'5". Uh, and, yeah, it was a bad hit. And so the two-game suspension, I, I think, you know, is certainly deserved. But we can kind of break down, you know, the, the frustrations behind this, too, because as with anything with the Department of Player Safety, it's it's never that simple or clean cut. And I think the lack of consistency is certainly something that, uh, you know, has been highlighted in the past. I think that exists here. Um, and so let's let's kind of break it down and get into it, Dylan. What are your initial thoughts on the Gord suspension? Well, I mean, I was going to say, let's start with the, the play itself is where I want to start, because we saw the yep. video posted. This is and again, I'm not I'm not excusing what Yanni Gord did like he has to play smarter. He has to understand that what he did was a penalty and you have to understand that no matter how frustrated you are on the ice, you you can't do that. Right. You can't endanger other players. Right. We just finished talking about Matty Beneers and and the questions that now have to exist around his career because of the significance of the injury he's played. He's he's dealing with. You have to then understand that you can't then put other people in that same uh, place of harm. For Yanni Gord, though, 
when you look at everything in its entirety, you go back to the beginning of the sequence in which he was on the ice and he's taking a face off against Connor McDavid. McDavid cross checks him pretty bad coming off of that face off. He goes after McDavid like, hey, man, that wasn't cool. Let's let's do something about this. I want to drop the gloves. McDavid refuses to drop the gloves. Yanni still, you know, upset by it, which is, again, understandable. It was it was a penalty that was not called. It was something that was, you know, kind of dangerous to him. Right. He could get hurt on that play. And um, and then Yanni takes that frustration and he goes and he he takes the charge against Ekholm, which is where, again, doesn't matter how upset you are. You can't go and, and do that, right? You can't break the rules. It's it's not an excuse away from sports. It shouldn't be an excuse in sports either, right? You can't go and do something dangerous just because somebody did something to you and you were frustrated by it. That's not how things work. But it is one of those things where, I mean, that's why fighting exists in hockey, RJ, right? It's to give the players the ability to get this out in a... I mean, it's insane to say less violent and dangerous way as they are punching themselves and the, they're punching each other in the face. But but that is what it's there for. And I still can't help but wonder if McDavid had just kind of, you know, quote unquote, answered for what he had done to Yanni Gord. This doesn't happen. Right. Or, or another player steps in to kind of answer, because, I mean, McDavid, he's just not yeah, he's, he's not, not going to fight, fight anyone. No. Right. And, and you know, part of it doesn't play given his in, uh, history in junior, you know, of that injury fighting, you know, he's going to be hesitant to fight. I, I'd say, you know, if you're yeah. if you're not going to fight, be a little bit more careful about, you know, the situations you put yourself in yeah. or just get somebody to step in and do it for you. But um, and, and again, I want to clarify this in no way excuses Yanni Gord's actions. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot do that. It's a dangerous hit. It's a bad hit. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, hack Dave Haxtell pointed out you know, Connor McDavid's actions in that lead up. He said, we've got a player who's 5'10", who takes a couple cross checks from a star player. I, I get it, but that's a penalty. You're saying the Kraken should have been on the power play before it even got to that situation with Yanni Gord. Um, and yeah, I don't know what was up with McDavid in this game too. He'd taken two penalties prior. Yeah. Um, it's just a side of him. We don't usually see that often. He's never taken three penalties in a game in his career. I looked it up at the time. Um but uh, yeah, there you know there is that greater context, and I think we're definitely at a point too with this, and we'll get into it when we talk about the Department of Player Safety and suspension, mm-hmm. where multiple things can be true at the same time. Yes, and I think you know Yanni Gord had a really bad hit, deserved to be suspended, but also Connor McDavid needs to be more careful, and also that doesn't excuse Yanni Gord's actions. Right, Yanni Gord had a right to be upset. He did not have a right to go out there and do what he did. Right, like that's that's yes. kind of where where we're at. Uh, with it now with the department of player safety rj obviously he had a hearing for this and then the result was the two game suspension one of the questions i have is i do wonder if he explained out the context of that moment and if that did potentially result in this only being a two game suspension because generally when you get a hearing and stuff like that and, and the nature of this when a player is so obviously commits the penalty the way he does where he leaves his feet so egregiously he is frankly in my opinion looking to make contact with that comb's head area i i was a little surprised then that it was only two games i do wonder if it's just because he didn't really fully make contact with that comb's head injury area that that's maybe why it was only two games but i also do wonder if the department of player safety took into account the situation around the play as well 
Right. And we're left wondering that because if you watch the explanation video, they don't talk about that no, at all. No. Which, and, you know, I can get into all my complaints to the explanation video, but I do think it kind of cuts both ways. I think, yes, you can use the context around the hit and the McDavid thing if you're Yanni Gord to, you know, not be an excuse so much, but an explanation as to why you yeah. did what you did. And I honestly, I could see the Department of Player Safety looking at that as a it's, mitigating factor. I don't think it should be. It I think it be, should go no. the other way because it shows the hit was premeditated. Yes. It wasn't just a hockey hit that you kind of lined up incorrectly. I think that makes it worse. I think that right. should add to a suspension rather than take away. So I don't know that the Department of Player Safety would see it that way. Um, I don't know how they see it at all because they didn't even mention it in the explanation video. The explanation videos, by the way, are, are a joke to me. I mean, yeah. basically all this one said was it's charging. You know, he left his feet. It's a high hit, which we can all see that. It's obvious. But, you know, you should mention that. And then they just kind of throw in also Yanni Gord has one prior suspension in 500 something career NHL games. They don't explain the relevance of that or what he's not a repeat offender because there's like an 18 month limit on that. Right. So that doesn't affect anything. It's like they needed a second bullet point. Yes. I don't right. know, and it's like they didn't even look at the context. I don't mind if you look at the context around the hit and decide, OK, that makes it worse. We're going to factor it in, in right. this way. I don't care. But they just didn't even mention it. It's like they really half-assed this video. Well, and they really have too, right? Like the since since the Brendan Shanahan days, right? Like because that's what got these videos to be a thing. Was mm -hmm. back then the Department of Player Safety started releasing videos to explain why they were doing what they were doing. It was well received at the time because prior to that there was zero explanation ever. So of course, just any form of transparency no matter how foggy the glass was we were taking and we were excited by and so now they just feel compelled that they have to release a video every time but yes it, the videos these days are completely worthless i didn't even bother watching it because i knew it was going to be worthless and 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 there wasn't going to be much explanation or anything yeah it's ridiculous to me that then they would bring up his previous hit his previous suspension when it happened i think in 2016 yeah like that's well past the, the window in which you can factor that in if you're the Department of Player Safety based on based on everything. So I don't know why you would even mention that other than I think they might have a one minute like minimum RJ and sometimes they're just trying to get to the minute. Yeah, I, that would certainly make sense with everything here. I, I don't I don't know what they were they were doing in the video. But uh, the other thing with these videos, too, is that, you know, they'll they'll list off bullet points of I mean, usually it's more thorough than this, mm -hmm. um, but they'll list off bullet points of, you know, the the relevant factors in the hit and, and why they've given out the suspension. And then the number they arrive at at the end just makes zero sense yeah. with, with what the factors are. Or they'll have, you know, separate videos where they have the same factors. It's more or less the same play and the numbers will be completely different. They just spin the wheel and it lands on what it lands on. And there's just, there's no consistency, I guess, is our, our main argument with this. And the problem isn't here. Like, I think the NHL more or less got it right here. Like, a yeah, player should expect yeah. a multi-game suspension for a hit like that. Yeah. I have no problem with that, but the problem is there's going to be hits in the future that are more or less like this, that are going to be completely ignored. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, part of me thinks, okay, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't complain as much for this situation because they actually kind of got it right. Even though the methodology doesn't seem like yes. they, you know, they just happen to arrive at the right number when they spun the wheel. Um, but I guess I, you know, complain more for situations where they don't get it right, where a dangerous play is ignored. 
Right. I don't well, know. And that's one of the things that's always frustrated me is the fact that they take injury into account when determining a suspension. And if the player got injured on the play, then the suspension is larger. No, if the play deserves to be suspended because it puts a player at risk of injury, whether they got hurt or they lucked out of not getting hurt, shouldn't matter, right? The point is that they did something that endangered a different, a separate human being. They endangered another human being. That's the problem. That's what this is really about. And I feel like that's what gets lost in all this. And we saw that the very next game that the Kraken played, RJ, last night in the Maple Leafs game where Brandon Tanev is going hard in. In the offensive zone, he's going past the net and he gets cross-checked at around the goal line. So he has to go down and fall awkwardly and hard, fast. His momentum's carrying him in dangerously into the boards. And you know, that's a super dangerous play. Very easy for a player to break something, whether it's upper body or lower body, run into some sort of issue. We know Brandon Tandev's history with knee injuries, unfortunately, since he's been with the Kraken. Lots of things could have dangerously happened there. And you know the Department of Player Safety isn't looking at that today strictly because Brandon Tanev didn't get injured. If he was injured, well, it might have been something. Yeah. Oh, in, in fact, they did look at it, actually, oh. because this morning okay. he was uh, Timmons was fined for that. Oh, okay. fined the well, you know, 2,800. Yeah. But if he was injured, it would be some, yeah. it would be more. Yeah, it, it would. And I mean, I can't believe Tanev wasn't injured during that. You just look at the way that his leg and ankle it's bends terrible. awkwardly. I, I don't know how he was OK after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you talk about the injury situation, right? I think it's they, they look at that like, oh, he's not injured. Just find him. You know, yeah. even though that's as dangerous of a spot as you can deliver a cross check to someone's back. I mean, th there is absolutely nothing Tanev can do at that point to avoid no. slamming violently into the boards. Right. It's just as dangerous as what Yanni Gord did. Right. There is just as much chance to injure somebody as with what Yanni Gord did. And then we see two completely different results from it. And that's, I think, yeah. the frustration. And look, to be perfectly honest, this is like the first time the Kraken uh, fan base has had to deal with this with one of the Kraken players. And so uh, it's one of those we've seen lots of people asking questions or, or feeling like, you know, why, why is Gord being suspended when some of these other things that have happened to us didn't result in suspensions? And unfortunately, the best we have got for you is just because they chose to go after him this time. I, I, yep. It's inconsistent. There is no special reason. I, I don't think they're specifically targeting Yanni Gord or the Kraken by doing this. It's just this is the way it is with this Department of Player Safety, where it is just random is the only word you can use. Yeah, it, it is essentially random. And I think that's kind of the, the takeaway that you have to have, you know, especially if you're a newer fan trying to make sense of all this. You know, it's not going to get any easier. It's probably not going to get any better. Um, but this is just how it is. And, you know, it's not like teams are necessarily targeted. It's just kind of random. Yeah. Um, so, but, but I think, I guess the one thing you do want to take away too is, you know, that, that the Gord suspension was the right call. You yes. know, I, I, cause I've seen a few like free Yanni signs around there. I, I appreciate the, you know, the, the general energy of wanting to support your players from a fan base. I don't like it. You know, I, I think because look, Yanni deserved to be yeah. suspended. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't agree with that. The free Yanni sentiment at all. It's just, you know, hold other players accountable to the same standard, which I know doesn't make for as catchy of a sign. Yes, no, <laughs> but uh, that's that's my takeaway. Yes, no. And I'm with you. Like, again, the important thing to remember about all this is, you know, if you want to avoid this situation, you don't want to have to deal with the inconsistent player department of player safety. 
don't take egregious penalties. Don't endanger other players. Don't let your temper get the better of you the way Yanni Gord did in this situation, right? Because he did invite this upon himself because of his action and he was suspended for it. That's, that is still, that again, that statement remains true alongside how terrible and awful the Department of Player Safety is for all of their inconsistency and lack of transparency and all of those things. The, the two things can exist together and both be true at the same time, and, and that's what this situation has been. Um, now, RJ, with the Maddie, with the injuries that they have, Vince Dunn, Belmar, Matty Beniers, Yanni Gord being suspended for last game and for one more uh, upcoming against the Chicago Blackhawks, it has meant that the Kraken... Are, find themselves on a four-game losing streak. And so the big question, just kind of to start off talking about it, is how concerned are you? Because this was something that a lot of people were a little split on last night in the post-game live because it's a four-game losing streak. The Kraken had done a ton of work to really put themselves back in a wild-card spot, really look like a, a team contending for that. And then here you drop eight of eight points in your last four games. That's not good. It, it's dropped you well down in the standings now. But on the flip side... You've done it missing a ton of players, including some very top players for you, like Matty Beniers, Yanni Gordon, Vince Dunn. Right. I mean, look, going 0 for 8 in points is concerning in itself in this situation. I mean, no matter what, right? No matter what else is going on around it. And the Kraken certainly do have to turn it around soon. I mean, you look at the standings and that's the reality of it. But as far as, you know, concern in that situation, I'm probably... It, the least amount of concern that you could be given there's a four game losing streak and you've dropped eight of eight points just because to me, it feels so obvious why it's happening. Having watched the four games, having seen everything that's gone on, knowing there's a bug going through the room, knowing there's an injury and who's missed games. I I'm actually not that concerned because the Kraken are coming off a, a very long winning streak before this. They found their game. They know the way they need to play. And I don't even think these past four games have been that big of a departure from that. It's really just the players that are missing, that they're not able to play the way that they want to play. Um, you look at the Pittsburgh, I mean, I'll just go game by game real quick. Yeah. That Pittsburgh game, right? You know, missing all the players they're missing, the weird morning start time where everyone's clock is completely off and they just didn't look like themselves. Mm -hmm. But you can point to a clear reason why that's the case. The very next game against New York, you're still really banged up. You're tired on the second half of a back-to-back -back against a really good team. Didn't quite look like themselves, although they they put in a good amount of effort, right? Yes. To the second period, I mean, that. they yeah. put in a great push to try and tie it. You know, they get one bounce, and it might be a totally different game. You know, they run out of energy at the end. It's back-to-backs. I can understand that. Mm -hmm. You know, the Oilers game... They were in it for a long time. They thought they had tied it, if not for the offside, against an Oilers team that... Is anybody going to beat them anymore? Are they ever going to lose another game? You know, so that doesn't concern me a whole lot. And then, you know, this last game against Toronto that, you know, maybe you could you could point to the execution not being there more than the other games, but they're still just so beat up. And, and you could see the lack of chemistry on the lines we talked about in post game, where the top line was doing great. The other three were just trying to figure out who they were playing with and what was going on. So for me, it just it seems so clear to me why this is happening, and hopefully they can get healthy enough soon that that won't be an issue anymore. Right. I mean, even just look at at things like Yamamoto not being able to play against the Leafs. Right. Like that's that's a thing, and instead you're having to play John Hayden 
well, play John Hayden. He had 427 of ice time, so I don't know how much he really played. But it's it is one of those things where like it's even even for the guys who are in there, we know that they're not operating at 100 percent, right? Larson had to leave that Penguins game in the first period, never come back because of illness, right? Like we know that they are dealing with this stuff. They are not at 100 percent. And I said it last night on the post game. I'll say it again here. In an NHL, in professional sports these days where everything is so tight, everybody's doing all of the training regimens you can, everybody's got the best diet and sleep schedule that you can have, and all of those things, sometimes one guy dealing with a sickness and maybe being a little too dehydrated makes the difference, right? And and I think that's unfortunately partly what's happening with the Kraken here, and I think the two games that show that the most is the Edmonton game and the Leafs game because... Those those were two games that were really really close through a lot of lot of those games. That Edmonton game, I mean, they were so well prepared for that Edmonton game. RJ, the game plan was so solid to shut down what the Oilers were doing to take advantage of what they leave open defensively. We saw that in the first period. It was a rough sequence to start the second period, but you know what? Dave Axtell takes a timeout, and after that, things were fine, right? Like you were able to figure it out. You were good from there, and then in this Leafs game. Yeah, I think something must have happened a little bit because in that one, there wasn't the, the coaching maybe wasn't quite as there for that one. Um, but I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Wenberg was your only center healthy. You essentially had one center for that game against Toronto. Ask a lot of teams, a lot of fan bases, a lot of front offices. How many games do you expect to win if you've only got one of your centers healthy? They're not going to tell you a lot of them, right? So like they're going to yeah. say, well, we always think we could win. But, you know, realistically, they know what the realities of that is. And when, you know, Wenberg had a valiant effort, led the team in ice time, all that kind of stuff, led the forward group in ice time, that is. Um, he, he played very, very well. But just the fact of the matter is you were missing Yanni Gord, you were missing Matty Beneers, and it very much showed out there for, for both the stability of your lines and, and, frankly, just the overall play and ability of the team to take advantage of some of the stuff that a struggling team can leave open for you. And that's what I worry about moving forward, RJ, because, yes, the schedule gets lighter. You look at, at the upcoming schedule and you see a, a Chicago, a Columbus, a San Jose – but I still question, like, look, we saw a lot of gaps and things that they could have taken advantage of against Toronto. If they're still going to be missing a lot of key guys, I, I just don't know. The NHL is a very competitive league. I think you have to at least, you know, be prepared that those games are going to be closer than we would have thought at some point. Yeah, I guess I'm a little more optimistic than you are. Given the way that they've played in their last two games, look at the Edmonton game and the Toronto game. I think if they just copy paste that, against these next four teams, they win all four games. And, and I think I, I'm personally, I'm preparing myself for a four game <laughs> win streak coming up here. Really? Right. I, I do think the schedule lightens up so much. You know, I don't put a whole lot of stock at, you know, how good Chicago is or San yeah, Jose yeah. is. I, you know, I just, there are a lot of things that, that the Kraken did against Edmonton and Toronto that, you know, they're really good teams that made them pay for it. That I just don't think teams like Chicago, San Jose or Columbus can make you pay for. Um, you know, and we'll start with, you know, like that Austin Matthews goal last night, you know, yeah. who, who on, who with Chicago or San Jose or Columbus is going to score that goal? Nobody, nobody, you know, you, you take that away and, you know, you're looking at a, a tie game throughout the rest of the game. And, you know, those teams I think are, are a little bit, you know, potentially worse. They're going to get worse goaltending. Samsonov was fantastic. Last I, know, night. I don't yeah, know where that came that. from. Right. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I like the Kraken's odds coming up now, if they, they go out and lose in any fashion against Chicago, 
that's when I get worried. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's the one that I'm most worried for because that's the one we know Yanni Gord's not going to be back for, right? Like the thing that, that gives me hope against St. Louis, Columbus, San Jose is the fact that you at least know you're getting Yanni Gord back, right? He isn't dealing with an injury where his return date is more up in the air. We know definitively he is missing one more game and then he is right back in the lineup. And I do think just having Yanni Gord last night probably makes the difference. Having one of Vince Dunn, Matty Veneers, or Yanni Gord in the lineup last night, I think makes the difference in that game because you're able to exploit the fact that Toronto has no depth beyond yeah. what their their top guys are. And, and there were still a lot of times where the Kraken were able to exploit that. They just weren't able to finish. Um, so I, I think that's the that is that would be the one thing maybe just to kind of flip roles here for a second. Even if they lose to Chicago, I would at least be optimistic because, you know, you're getting Yanni back at that point. So there um, <laughs> we go. We can't agree <laughs> on anything, everybody. We're basically siblings. Um, so, so there's that situation. Now, throughout... All of this conversation, especially because, you know, for this game, RJ, this last game, and then for the next one, you are missing Yanni Gord. You are going to be missing Matty Beniers. Conversation has arisen, as it has at various points all season long, should the Kraken call up Shane Wright? And to be to be real, RJ, after watching last night, I know the situation didn't really line up well for them to have brought him up for that game, considering he played the two previous nights, and you don't really want to play somebody three straight nights of hockey. I, I wouldn't recommend that for anybody. Um, I do wonder for the Chicago game, RJ, let's, let's just talk the, the micro scale here just for the one game, you know, Yanni Gord will still be suspended. Would you bring up Shane, Wright Just so you have another center in the lineup. You have some more depth there behind Alexander Wenberg. Now, when I was asked this question in post game last night, I, I said, no, I wouldn't, because I, I felt like you don't need to hit the panic button quite yet. I, as I just said, like, you know, if you lose to Chicago, then I'm worried. Then you start thinking about that stuff. But since then, I, I've looked at the Firebirds schedule and kind of compared it with the Kraken schedule. And, and I'm trying to think longer term about this. And it does seem to just line up perfectly where, yeah, the Firebirds had back to backs on the 19th to 20th. Uh, but they don't have another game until the day of the Chicago game. So Wright should be rested. And the big thing I wanted to look at, though, was, okay, let's say you call him up. And I think if you do, you want to give him certainly more than one game of run. You can't just call him up for one game. I don't think that's good for him. Mm -hmm. You, you want to give him a little bit of runway here. And I, I think I'd just give him the four games prior to the All-Star break. Yeah. Because you've got the All-Star break coming up at the end of January against San Jose. And then at that point, no matter what you want to send them back down to Coachella Valley, just because you're not going to be playing games. Mm -hmm. And I realized the Firebirds are just playing all through that. Well, they got the first and third, but playing a couple games during that all-star break. And I think that'd be good for him as well. It seems to kind of work out schedule wise, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. So the one thing that you would have to figure out is Kraken don't have a roster spot. So somebody would have to go if you are bringing in Shane Wright, right? Um, let's say the Kraken want to do that. My mind, John Hayden probably gets put on waivers. Yeah. he's. I don't, does he need to be waived? Uh, he has he been up for long enough? It doesn't say that he's waiver exempt on cap friendly. So Well, no, that's just wa waiver oh, okay. exempt just generally. Because Yo, no, general, he hasn't yeah. been up for long enough. Oh, then so I don't think possible. he has to go through waivers. Yeah. Even if you have to waive him, I'm not worried about it. No, well, here's the thing. Last night was the time. If you were going to use him, you're going to use him in the game because you needed to. And you gave him four minutes and 27 seconds of ice time. So clearly you're not that committed to using him even when he's on the, the big squad. So yeah, John Hayden would be the guy. 
I, I think you should go ahead and do that. I think it's worth rewarding Shane Wright for the performance that he's had in Coachella Valley. I know we can start getting more macro here, but you know, in the last five games he's played RJ, he's got eight points. I mean, dude's dude's on fire right now. I think it's worthwhile rewarding somebody who's putting up that level of production. Given in his in the previous stretch, he had he had four four points in I can't even count how many games here. It's because it's so many, right? He hit a little bit of a rookie wall in the AHL, and then he was able to fight through that, bust through, come up with these eight points in the last five. I think it's worth rewarding that effort, the work that he put in, the the stick-to-itiveness that he showed. I think it's worth rewarding that with with at least a little bit of a call-up. You've got six games you can still work with before burning a year off his ELC. Now now seems as good a time as any to use those because of the scheduling reasons you brought up. And then the other thing, RJ, is I'm just starting to get to the point, too, where I after after he did kind of you know, find a way to break through and start scoring again and, and start putting up points in b- big bunches here. I don't know what else he actually can learn at the AHL, right? Like, I I, I get why why he was there. I was with you about being patient. Let him learn a lesson. Lessons, you know, some lessons can only be learned from playing a significant amount of games in a league or a full season. That was really the big lesson for him to learn was, how, how can you struggle, continue to play well, and, and work through mentally the fact that, wow, I'm playing well, I'm giving 110%, but I'm just not getting on the board, and he just kind of figured that out. That was really like the one big lesson I would want from a season-long commitment to him being in the AHL. I, I just don't know that him staying in the AHL, what else he can learn. Well, the thing he can gain from staying in the AHL is playing more minutes and and playing in more kind of high leverage situations. And I think he does benefit from that. But I mean, if you call him up now, he should be doing that for you. I mean, you're not calling up Shane, right? You should not call him up to be your fourth line center right now. No, you need to give him a little bit more responsibility, give him some good wingers and, you know, give him more than 15 minutes a night. I think that's the approach if you're going to bring him up right now. Um, now, of course, if everyone gets healthy for the crack, and I know this feels like a long time ago because it was four losses ago, but you go back to the end of the win streak. And I mean, we were discussing yeah, right, how it's so hard. <laughs> too many people. How do any of these forwards possibly get in the lineup? There was no space for Shane Wright whatsoever. Yeah. So that's where I'm looking at, well, medium term, basically through the rest of this season, I certainly don't want him just hanging around on a Kraken roster where there's no room for him. And so that's why I'm, I'm really wary of keeping him up long enough to burn that year of, of his ELC. But you take these four games, uh, like you said earlier, I think it's as good a time as any, I think that that sums it up. There, there's no better time right now than, than right. You know, I, I'm losing yeah, my words. No, 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 no better time I, than now. Yeah, no, there isn't really <laughs> a better time than now, because if you're, if you're going to use the fact that you've got six games left to work with, without having to burn a year off his ELC, because that's the other thing about keeping him up all year is you're kind of using that cheap year from him for what exactly i don't know right like he's not gonna yeah, be i'll get into this on the yeah, armchair gm, GM stream right. too i am very against burning the, the year of his elc right now yeah no i'm i am too, i am too i i don't like doing that but it's it's one of those things where i think now now makes a lot of sense because you can give him the minutes that you want to you can see him in that situation you can see him playing with good wingers top six level wingers on your team I, it just makes all the sense in the world for me. I, I just, I, I can't, in my mind, you can't put out the same lineup that you just put out against Toronto again. 
right? Where you're going to have two guys playing less than nine minutes, one guy playing less than four and a half minutes, right? Like then what's the, like you're wasting a roster spot at that point. You're wasting a spot in the lineup at that point. And as we saw, I just don't know that it's good enough. Maybe it's good enough against Chicago, so you don't have to worry about it. But in general, it's just I think not it good is. enough. I know you do. I know you do. You made that very clear. And I also really do believe, I, I think you have to reward what he just showed you in the AHL and his ability to fight through all that and get back on the board and score as much as he is scoring. Again, eight points in five games is a lot for a young player like that at the level that he's playing. So I, I think it's one of those things where you also send a really strong and powerful message, not just to him, but all the prospects in your system, similar to when you brought up Ryan Winterton earlier this year, where it's like, look, if you perform, we are going to reward that. And I think this would be another time where you can put forward that example. Right. And it's something the Kraken certainly like to do. I mean, I think it has been very merit based, right. From Coachella Valley. You saw that with Winterton being called up earlier this year. Like, that's not a player who, given the situation he's in, just how young he is, how new to the pros he is, that he would get a call up. I think a lot of organizations wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, but Bilesman just sends the best players. Whoever's been playing the best, that's who <laughs> the Firebirds are going to send up. Uh, and I love that that's kind of the organizational philosophy. I agree. You would be playing into that here. Yeah, so I, I think that would be a positive. Um, what do you think? I mean, what do you think the lineup does look like if they were to do this, RJ? I mean, he just slots in at 2C behind Wenberg and... I mean, do you put him with Tatar and Everly? Like, no, because I, I like that line together with McCann. They've actually had a few games to build chemistry. That's the one line I wouldn't mess with because they've actually played together for more than one game. That's true. Um, and, and and they had results, so I would keep that together. I guess what I would do is I pull up the projected lineup here, so I can kind of mess with this. I would. There's one player I, don't know, maybe, I would really want to tether him to, and that's Oliver Bjorkstrand. Just given. I was well thinking is, that too. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would put Wenberg back between Schwartz and Burakovsky like he was, and I would have Shane Wright between Ellie Tolvin and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Yeah. Just put him in Gord's spot, at least for the first game. Then of course, as Gord comes back, you can you can change that up and find somewhere for him. But for if you're calling him up for the Chicago game, that's what I would do. Yeah, no, that's what I would do too. I, I think that's that's how things would shake out. And you know what? I think that would look really good, RJ. It'd look really good. It would. It would. And that today, Ron, there's a whole other day tomorrow. You can make this move before Wednesday. Yeah. I, how do you think? Because we're so used to seeing what that line looks like with Yanni Gord in the middle of it. And Shane yeah. Wright is definitely a different player than Yanni Gord. Yes. Totally different kind of player. Well, how? I mean, there, there's some similarities. Yeah. I would just say he's a two way guy. He does like to be responsible defensively. I think, I think, so, in so, and he's a, he's a north south of the player. Side of his game. Right. But he is a north south player offensively, right? Yeah. Like he's proven that at Coachella Valley is he, he does want to kind of get in there. I think one of the big improvements for him this year has, has been his willingness to play more in the slot. And, and, you know, don't be afraid to absorb some contact in there and maybe get a little dirty. Now, again, is he going to do it to Yanni Gord levels of, like, net front presence? No. But I do think, like, the idea of, you know, if Bjorkstrand's trying to make a pass to him, he's kind of vaguely be in the same vicinity that Yanni Gord would operate in. Yeah, I mean, I was more thinking of just kind of the, the forechecking style and all that, where I just yeah. Yanni's going to go in there and, and disrupt stuff in a way that, that Shane's not going to. But I that's fine. You've got other guys on the line Tolvin that, that do can that. do that. Yeah, exactly. Tolvin will do that. Like, no, I think it would work just fine. I'm not saying it's not going to work. Yeah. I was just wondering kind of how, how it would look different, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think I think it wouldn't look too different. I, I think it would look different just because there is only one Yanni Gord. We know this. 
yeah. ask Tampa about replacing Yanni Gord with anybody, right? Like it's a it's a tough thing to do. But I also think that from from his line mates perspective, outside of Tolvin and having to take on more of the forechecking duties, I don't know that like your job on the ice would have to change. You wouldn't have to necessarily worry about developing a whole new level of chemistry, right? Bjorkstrand, he wants to find somebody in the slot. Shane Wright's going to be in the slot. We know that about him. We saw that from his three games while he was up and, and Devin Shore showed a lot of chemistry with being able to just throw it to the slot. Shane Wright's always there, right? And we saw Shane Wright get some good looks from there. So I think that would work and, and play very well from that line. So Also, there's room for him on the power play. Oh my gosh, there is so much room for him yeah, on the power play is. right now, RJ. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, man, if you wanted to know how important Vince Dunn is to this team right now, just go watch the power play. That's, that's everything you need to know. It could use some help. That's everything you need to know. So, yeah, having him out there, a guy who's unafraid to shoot, wouldn't be a bad thing on this power play either. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess we're in agreement then, right? Bring up Shane Wright and you use him for as long as you kind of need to slash the schedule works out for you to do it. Yeah, you've got four games of runway. And, you know, as long as you're not going too far past that, you can reevaluate at the All-Star game. Yeah. Um, I guess one last thing. I know we didn't. We didn't put this on the docket entirely, RJ, but Andre Burakovsky, just because a lot of people were talking about him yesterday, I'm, I'm still thinking he's playing fine, right? Like, yes, he could have been more aggressive on that power play yesterday, but there was there was a lot of people who were a little more negative about him yesterday. I still think he's probably still dealing with coming back from all the injuries and everything. He's probably not as strong as he wants to be, just given the nature of some of those injuries and his inability to work out or do certain things. I, I'm still really happy with him because there are just nobody who even attempts some of the passes that he pulls off on the power play on this team. Right. The, the vision on that right side wall is just unmatched by anybody else this team has. And very few people in the league, really. Um, I, I just think we need to, I guess, adjust our expectations for Burakovsky just a little bit for the time being. For this season, yeah. For this season. He's not 100%. He mm -hmm. doesn't look like completely himself, the Burakovsky we remember, you know, from Colorado or earlier when he was healthy. That's a given. Like we, mm -hmm. but, but I don't think we can expect that from him right now. I think he just needs some time to ramp up and, and kind of become himself. You look at too, I mean, you look at his game log this season, right? And you look at the first few games that he played and his time on ice, you know, 16 minutes, 17, 17, 16, 17. He's yet to play 15 minutes in a game since then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's injuries. That's, you know, games where he's missed that's time being on the fourth line but he just hasn't been put in that position to kind of be himself again and that's because i think hackstall and the coaching staff know that he's still ramping up that yeah. he's still trying to figure things out that he's still you know maybe shaking off a little bit of the nerves of you know am i gonna get hurt again i mean he took a huge hit he got lit up in that corner in toronto right mm -hmm. uh by benoit uh, in toronto but against toronto you know by benoit yeah. in that game I, we all held our breath after that one, right? Dylan, after yes. watching that hit, yes. it's that same corner he went into uh, when he, for guessing, broke his collarbone, you know, against Colorado. Like, it's scary. Uh, but he got up, popped right back up, didn't miss a shift. So those are the things you kind of have to just continue to work through. In a weird way, I think that was actually good for him to yeah. go through that experience and not get hurt. Yeah, I think there's benefits to coming back from injury mid-season and just kind of being thrust into it, especially in the midst of a big, long road trip the way it was kind of too far. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then there's also some negatives to it. One of the negatives being 
as you're trying to work yourself back from a strength perspective, a stamina perspective, all of that kind of stuff, it can be a little difficult because you're just being thrown into it and you're having to work on that stuff on the fly. But on the flip side, athletes, I think for the most part, just to get to the level that we're talking about with these professionals, probably have the mentality of, you know, doing well when thrown into the deep end. I don't think you get to this level without having that, that nature to you. And so I'm I'm sure that's been helpful for him too, because you can just really focus on things and you have the the busy schedule to help keep you distracted from worrying about things um, like that. So yeah, I've, I've been, I've been happy with Berkey's play Uh, just a couple minutes here left RJ. And so I want to use that to talk about something that came up on one of the post game lives. It was a question asked to me and I think the podcast is a good place because the most amount of people listen to it. And I do want input here because people were very much having fun with their Pokemon discussion on that post game live <laughs> uh, after, after I think it was the Edmonton game there. And one of the questions that was asked to me from Becca was put the three cracking goaltenders, which ones, which starter basically. And I know you have no idea what any of this means, RJ starter Pokemon. But uh, for those like RJ who do not know starter Pokemon, when you start a Pokemon game, you're, you're offered the choice of one of three starter Pokemon. There's always a grass type, a water type and a fire type. And that's your first Pokemon for the game. You go through them and the classic original gen one starter Pokemon or Bulbasaur as your grass type Charmander as your fire type and Squirtle as your water type, water type being the best type, everybody, by the way, sure. I'm not inviting anything there. And so I was asked this question of which goaltender is which Pokemon. And I want to throw this out for the community too. I do want everybody's opinions on this one. Cause I think it'd be a lot of fun um, to, to hear about it. And I'm going to read you their personalities here, RJ. And then I want you to also give your opinion just based on these personality things, not knowing anything else about Pokemon. All right. Okay. <laughs> Refresh me real quick on what the, the options are. It's Bulbasaur, Charmander and Squirtle. Okay, and okay. I'll I'll give you the their names with their personality type, and then you can you know tell me the. I think I've heard of those. Yes, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I know the largest IP in about, the world. Yeah, like I know five things yeah. about Pokemon, and they're all probably wrong. Yeah, so let's let's get into it. All right, number one, the very first Pokemon in the Pokedex is Bulbasaur, who displays a cautious and vigilant nature, always on the lookout for potential threats and danger. All right, so a little bit of a a cautious watcher of things there, RJ. Charmander is easily the most mild-mannered and well-behaved. Okay, so there you go. You got a mild-mannered, well-behaved, whose feelings and emotions can be read by the flame on the tip of its tail. And then finally, you've got Squirtle, the best one, who's depicted as being fun-loving, loyal, and courageous. So I thought when I was thinking about this, Joey Decord is Squirtle. Fun loving. That's the easiest one for loyal, me. Loyal, courageous. Joey Decord is Squirtle. I agree. That was the easy one. So then it becomes Chris Drieger, Philip Grubauer between Charmander and Bulbasaur. And personally, RJ, I'm going with Philip Grubauer for Bulbasaur. Cautious, vigilant nature, on the lookout for potential threats, stubbornness with a little bit of stubbornness and resistance to change or new experiences. He's the one who hasn't gone down to play for the Firebirds. <laughs> so it's kind of going with uh, with Bulbasaur there. And then Chris Drieger. Fire type and Charmander, mild mannered, well behaved, seems to fit for me with Chris Drieger, and then the fire, the Firebirds, kind of works out. Yeah, I, I think I would put it the same way. That's that's the way I was going in my head. As much as maybe you tried to to bait me with like the mild mannered, gentlemanly, whatever for Grubauer, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's how I would uh, put him. Yeah, so that's how we put them. I know this is a question a lot of people had and, and wanted to know, so that's why I'm throwing it out here on the podcast. If you're not interested in any of this, well, 
I only took up three minutes of your time, so hopefully you're not too mad at me. Um, but I, I think and the alternative was Austin could... Matthews talk. So everybody know that it wasn't it wasn't really. But yeah, that goal was pretty. That goal was pretty. So but I do want to hear everybody's opinions on that. Hopefully that lived up to everybody's expectations. And like I said, I want other people's opinions on the matter as well. Um, want to thank everybody for joining us. And of course, thank Queen Anne Beer Hall for sponsoring this podcast as they do each and every week. Really means a lot to us again. And if you haven't checked out that new Moss Bay Hall location, go check it out. We have heard nothing but good things from everybody who has gone so far. They really seem to love the location. I can't wait to try that when I'm up there um, at a less busier time than around the Winter Classic. And please, everybody, join RJ tomorrow on Patreon, patreon.com slash Emerald City Hockey for that armchair GM stream. A lot of the stuff we talked about today is going to be brought up and probably gotten into an even more in-depth from a roster construction, ELC, contracts, cap hit, all that stuff standpoint. So if you are interested on any of the topics we brought up today, know that it will factor into that stream tomorrow night at 7 o'clock over at, again, patreon.com slash Emerald City Hockey. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you all next time. Hey everyone, before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Alvi, Andrew, Anonymous, Anthony, Beef, Ben, Brad, Brian, Burnt Creme, Kat, Kaylin, Shazzle Dazzle, Chip, Chris, Christian, Cody, Connor, Coop, Corey, DJ Singletone, Duthin, EV99, Eli, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Empty Net Hockey, Eric, Ethan, Evan, Fusion Mix, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Helena, Habak, Jane, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Julia, Justin, Katie, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, L. Bell, Leanne, Levin, Light, Little Tennis Guy 8, Lonnie, Maeve, Mark, Max, Maya, Michelle, Nick, Night Drop, Noah, Nunya, Olivia, Paige, Paul, Rachel, Rayanne, Randall, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, Scott, Sia Kraken, Sean, Sean, Sergey, Sergeant Pickles, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team 114, Chris, Ty, Virginia, Wendy, Where the Slovakians at, Zame, and Zoe. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.